So why don't you uh, put your hands together and praise God for a God who says you can come to me with all your burdens and all your stuff and you are welcome here. My name is John. If we haven't had the pleasure to meet yet, I have the privilege to be one of the pastors here and I have the privilege to be back up on this platform after two weeks. Man, I've missed being up here. All right. I, I, thank you. Mom, I really appreciate you bringing your friends today. Um, so happy you're here. Uh, listen, uh, it's good to be back up here to be able to share God's word with you today. Uh, I just want to say how grateful I am for all of you uh, to be in a community of faith that is uh, not only wanting to grow personally, you know, we, we've got to do that to grow deeper in our faith, but, but having a posture of outstretched arms, caring for our community and caring for the world um, and uh, I, I had the opportunity to be away. Uh, I was at a pastor's conference and, and, uh, and with all these pastors and their wives from all over uh, the country. And, and let me just say the grass is not greener. That's all I'm going to say. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to be nice. I'm just going to say the grass is not greener. It may look shinier. It may look alluring. But the grass is not greener. I'm so grateful for our little band of misfits. Okay. So I'm so grateful. I, I'm so grateful for our online. Yeah, praise God for that. Yeah. Uh, I am, I, uh, I'm so grateful for our online services. Um, Kelly and I, uh, even though we were away, we were able to, to tune in and be a part uh, with all of you uh, last week as Alan Cruz came up here and shared the message. Woo, we got a woo. We got a woo from the front row. Alan, I didn't know your mom came down from, from Chicago. What are you, what are you doing? Alan's mom's here. Man, I just love his, his passion and his pastor's heart, right? I love his vulnerability and his willingness just to put things out there, you know. Like, he, like for him, and he's the only one who can say it, right, for him to be like, you know what, I need you guys to just say things like, preach it, Asian man. You know, I, I was like, praise God for him, all right. And then uh, two weeks before that, you know, Connor was up here and he did such a great job and he helping us lead, Yeah. Telling us to lead a, a questionable life, you know, I love that. You know, we got a lot of questionable characters in here. I'm one of them, right? And, and it, well, all the while, like, telling us curiously to share poop emojis. I'm very confused by that. I'll, I'll, I don't know. I couldn't be more proud of, of just the teaching team that we have. All of the teachers that are in our corral and our team of teachers. I'm so proud to be one of them. And we have uh, another teacher, some of you guys know, his name is David, and uh, he's going to be up next week. He's coming back, um, and he wanted to let me to let you know that, uh, that he's, he's going to come back next week. That his mom's here too. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he's been gone for a while, enjoying some time with Donna, and he's excited to share what God's been doing in his heart and in his life. But today you're stuck with me. Little old me, I'm sorry. You're stuck with me. Oh, wow. I, my whole family's here today. Uh, listen, uh, the past few weeks we've been looking at this uh, series, you know, for everyone. And we've been looking at specifically the book of Acts. Uh, it's a book, for those who don't know, make no assumptions. N don't make assumptions. You know what that makes you, right? Like, so, so no assumptions. There's, some, there's people listening in this room and online that have zero Bible knowledge. Thank God for that, that they felt like this could be a safe place for them to come and, and be curious. And we got people here that are ready to go be their masters and their divinity, like, and all that good, beautiful, awesome stuff. So there's room for everybody. And, and so the book of Acts is a book dedicated to the, the early actions and early growth of the Christian church. And we've been looking at Acts 1-8 where we get all disciples then and now get our marching orders of what, what are we called to do as disciples and followers of the way. That's what they called like the Christian walk, the way. There was a new way to do things. Jesus was the way. And so he gives us our marching orders, uh, and hopefully by now you have this memorized, right? Acts 1.8, you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Well, where is everywhere? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? And, and each week we, we've looked at what does it mean for, for us, to, what's a Jerusalem mean for us, or our family and the personal sphere of influence, and, and our Judea, that's our communities, and, and Samaria, that's, that's building relationships and being witnesses in cities that are neighboring to us and with people groups that are different than us. And today, my task is to 
share what it means to be a witness and to care and to chase after the world. And I couldn't think of a better time to hit the pause button to talk about what's going on in the world, right? I couldn't think of a more appropriate time for us to just look at and see the need that our has for the healing power of the Prince of Peace. Listen, my hearts have been broken uh, with all of yours as you tune in every day to see the senseless violence that is happening in the Ukraine. Kelly and I have been joining all of you and the millions and millions of our brothers and sisters in Christ as we pray that there will be a peaceful resolution. And it's surreal for me. My last name is Tizovich. I must come from, that sounds Swedish, right? That's Irish. No. My family comes from this region. I grew up learning all about this region of the world. Our, our, our family is, is from a little town called Abrovo, 40 miles from the border of Ukraine. Th th this is surreal for me. And so like many of you, I, I've been looking at this and just, I get it. Wars are, happen. I get it. I'm a student of history. I love history. It's, it's the senseless violence. It's the civilian casualty. It's, it's those that did not enlist and sign up to say, hey, I'm fighting. No, it's, it's the women and children and the, and the people that said, I, I'm just trying to survive. It's frustrating to look on and watch with every day more explosions and more casualties. And so I pray. <laughs> I pray for peace. I pray for protection for both Russians and Ukrainians, for all involved, for both presidents. I pray for safety for the hundreds of thousands of people that are seeking refuge, that are <laughs> trying to find a way out and figure out what does now life look like. Here, grab whatever you can and we're just leaving. Now, I was talking with a pastor this week um, who was a missionary in the Ukraine for five years, and he helped start multiple churches and a Christian institute um, in one of the cities. I'm not going to say it because um, it's, it's real time right now. <laughs> and in one of the cities that, that is in the news right now. And, um, and so we're talking real time. Like literally he's like real time communicating with people that are on the ground there. Um, and he shared with me this incredible story and heartbreaking story um, of right now in one of the churches they help start. Uh, there's 600 people just huddled in the cellar of this church. And they're just trying to survive. They're just trying to make it through. They're, they're hungry and they're starving and they don't know what tomorrow's going to bring if tomorrow comes. And they're singing and praising God throughout the day. And at night, they're going throughout the streets and they're clicking collecting babies. That had just been left on the street. <laughs> like, because as the family or whoever, like, evacuated, they just decided it was easier, better, safer. I don't know. I'm not trying to judge. But they just left their babies and took off. And so this group of huddled brothers and sisters in Christ at night... <laughs> In the midst of explosions and like trying to find the babies and take them back to the cellar and care for these babies. That is the church looking like the church. I, I, keep, I, I don't know where to put some of that stuff, right? When, when I'm worried, like today, I, I almost did it. I, I went to my, my Starbucks you know, that I always go, and I'm the only one there. I'm the first one there Sunday morning, right? Um, and I get my ridiculous drink that I get that costs $15,000. And and they told me, like, you can't get that today, John. And I, and I was like, ah, oh, you're funny. And it was like, no, we, we can't make any hot beverages today. You know, our machine's down. And I'm, I'm not, I, I can't lie to you. Like, I had this moment of just indignant, like, almost came out of my mouth, are you kidding me? 
Like it, it literally was, the words were on the tongue to come out. And I had this like, ooh, conviction, gut check, right, of like you're going to worry about your, you can't get your $15,000 overpriced cup of coffee while there's brothers and sisters in Christ, like reality check, reality check. What a beautiful time for us to hit pause and think about how we are actually witnessing and caring for the world and the world around us. As soon as I hear, real, real talk, real time, as soon as I hear how we can help that group that is huddled in a basement of a church, you'll know from me and you'll hear from me. Kelly is already wondering how long it's going to be till we're like adopting a Ukrainian baby. Um, <laughs> so there's that. Just putting some out there, some, some things out there into the universe. There's just so much need for hope, you know, and I'm not downplaying what we're going through and what you're going through in your personal life. We've all got stuff in our backyards and around the world. There's so much need for hope. There's so much need for the church to be the church. The hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And I want to today, like in the Bible story that we're going to look at, I want us to look at a man by the name of Peter who was instrumental in, in allowing us to be able to come together right now. Uh, Peter is a man in the Bible who did some incredible things for the Christian faith. Uh, and, and for all of us, I don't know who I'm talking to, right? Uh, but for all of us who are not a part of the Jewish faith, uh, the story that we're looking at today is one of the turning points in Christianity that made it possible for all of us non-Jewish people to embrace the Christian faith. So we, we should be very thankful and grateful for this moment in history happening. In Acts 10, we, we find the story, true story of a Roman officer who, who was a very religious and faithful man. His name is Cornelius. And we find out that an angel appears to Cornelius and he tells him, like, I want you to go find a man named Simon Peter. And, and so Cornelius does what the angel tells him to do and he sends his, his boys to go find Peter and he tells them, bring Peter back to me. And, and so they do. And in Acts 10, verse 10, the story picks up with Cornelius's people looking for Peter, and Peter, he's waiting for dinner, you know, like every other guy, like, go make it yourself, dude. Like, that's, anyway, that's another sermon. Uh, and he's waiting for dinner, and, and, and Peter has his own supernatural experience. Verse 10, Acts 10, says this, says, while a meal was being prepared, Peter fell into a trance, and he saw the sky open up. And something like a large sheet was let down by four corners. And in the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. And then a, and a voice said to Peter, get up, Peter, kill them and eat them. Well, that's weird. Oh, <laughs> well, no, P Lord, like Peter declared, I've never eaten anything unclean. See, the Jews had, like, there were certain things you could eat and certain things you couldn't eat. And it was very strict rules, right? And so it says, no, I've never eaten anything that was impure or unclean. And, but the voice said again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. See, yeah, it hit for some of you. See, some of you, you know. Some of you feel it. Some of you still get looked at as being unclean. But they don't know what you've been through. They don't know where you were. They don't know how far you've come because of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. They just see you and go, man, you look a little unclean. Don't call something unclean that God has said that's clean. They're mine. Right? That's, that's another sermon for another day. <laughs> I, I've been away for two weeks. You know this is going to go long. I'm just letting you know right now. I, I hope you brought a lunch, lunch lady. I hope you brought a lunch. And, and, and so it said, don't call anything that is unclean that God has made clean, right? And then the vision repeated three times. And then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. And, and Peter was perplexed. Text says, and he's like, what could this vision mean? And, and just then the men that Cornelius sent 
they found Peter's home and standing outside at the gate. And, and they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. And meanwhile, Peter was, you know, still working out this vision. And the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. All right, he's getting, a, he's getting his marching orders, right? And, and, and that are kind of confusing, <laughs> right? And, and so, so what's Peter's response? Peter went down and he said to the men, I'm the one that you're looking for. I'm the one that you're looking for. In the midst of a, a, a season of persecution of the church, right? Roman officials are coming to the house where, where it was normal and customary for Roman officials to and drag you out and put you in chains, so, so, so understand the, the weight of what is happening here. What Peter says in the midst of that context, he says, here I am, I'm the one you're looking for. And Peter ends up, he, go, he goes with the men and, and he meets Cornelius, who, you know, he's not a Jew, he's a Gentile. And Peter enters his home, that's breaking Jewish custom. And he eats with Cornelius' entire family and the community around them, breaking more Jewish rules. And he ends up baptizing the entire household, which, you know, it's, it's, the word is oikos there. And that means uh, not just family, but, but servants and neighbors and everybody that's in that community that centers around that house, right? It, it baptizes all of them which would have made all the Jewish people go nuts. And this one encounter between Peter and Cornelius creates this domino effect that allows Gentiles, you and me, to now be accepted and welcomed into the Christian faith. All across the world, this has this ripple effect. Now imagine if Peter receives this vision from God, and instead of being obedient, he was like, you know, no way. Are you kidding me? You know what's going on in the world right now? Have you lost your mind? Heck no. I'm doing my thing. Like, that's too risky. People will think I'm crazy. Like, they will stone me to death if I tell them that it's okay that, that they can eat bacon. They couldn't eat bacon, y'all. They, they weren't allowed to eat pork, you know, and you know that was a sacrifice. I love me some million-dollar bacon with some delicious, you, you got to try it anyway. Like, what, what if he did that? Okay, or what if Peter, uh, you know, after being, you know, given his marching orders was like, you know what, sorry, God, no can do. All right, because that's not how we do things here in this little church that we started, Okay. That's not how we do it around here. God, we have a certain way and a custom that we're used to doing things. And, and this weird vision and mission that you're giving me goes against what we're used to. God, we're not going to do that. I mean, that's ridiculous. Nobody would ever say that, right? Or, or what if Peter, you know, in this moment, like he, Peter saw the mission that he was in, being invited into. He was like, you know, uh, he, Peter pulled a Peter, Right? Like he was like, I don't know you. You know, because for those that don't know, like Peter was like a, a really good friend of Jesus. And on the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested, you know, people were like, hey, Peter, aren't you a friend of Jesus? And they, and they asked him three times and three times. Peter said, I don't know that guy. What if Peter would have done that? What if... You know, because, because listen, you, you may think like, oh, my gosh, the St. Peter would never do that. He's an apostle. He, like, <laughs> like well, please remember that he's just a guy, okay? Before, like, he has churches and schools and buildings named after St. Peter, he was just an impulsive, fiery, passionate, like, rough around the edges, ready, shoot, aim guy who would rather be fishing. All right? This was just a guy called by God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, sent out on a mission to change the world. He didn't have to, right? But he chose to. And that made all the difference. He chose to. What is it that you are being asked to do? That you don't have to. 
but you're not choosing to do it right now. See, I want to zero in on a phrase that we find in verse 21 that, that, that hits for all of us. Uh, Peter's given his mission and Cornelius' boys come looking for him and, and Peter chooses to answer the call. In verse 21 it says, Peter went down and said to the man, I am the one you're looking for. I am the one. It all boils down to this statement today. I'm the one. Every single person falls into the category of being the one today. Every single one of us. See, either you're the one that is lost and in need of help and hope, or you're the one that Jesus is inviting to push past your insecurities and your comforts to be a witness to the world. So one or the other. And so if you're the one that's listening today that, that is... You've lost hope and you're in need of help and you're trying this church thing for the first time or for one last time or you're tuning in to something different online that you say, I will, I will try anything because I'm, I'm just so tired. If that's you, today's your lucky day. Really, today is your lucky day. Today you can make a decision to, to stop flirting with, with those other things and, and, and start running with a Savior that can change your life, truly, that can offer you hope to choose that Jesus to be your guide, to be your leader, to be your Lord, to turn your world upside down for the better. Maybe you've been checking out this church stuff. You've even been coming here for a little bit, but, you know, you've just been putting your toe in the water. You've just been kind of just checking it out, checking this Jesus stuff out, but you've never really committed and surrendered your life to him. Well, well, today's your day. I mean, really, what are you waiting for? Really? Like, like the world's going to hell in a handbasket, right? Like, like. You know, people threatening nuclear war, you know, and all that stuff. Like, like I, I, listen, I'm ready to meet Jesus. Are you? <laughs> I mean, I'm, re- I'm so ready. Like, my affairs are in order. Okay? Like, I can't wait. You know, this is a weird, twisted thing to think through. But, like, I can't wait, y'all. I can't wait. I know it's going to be so awesome. Like, there is a seat at the table prepared for me. It's got my little name on it. I'm ready. I know the fried chicken and ribs is going to be banging. The food's going to be so good. I can't wait. You know there's going to be fried chicken and ribs. Some of y'all thinking about lunch right now. That's okay. I only have 90 more minutes left. <laughs> Listen, if, if you've never actually surrendered your life to Jesus, really, what, what, what's stopping you? I mean surrendered. Not just said some things, not just done some things. Remember Jesus said, a lot of you will cry out to me, Lord, Lord, you know, and, and, and he'll say, get away from me. I never knew you. What's stopping you from surrendering to him? Like, aren't you tired? God. Aren't you tired of just like feeling like there's no hope? In that cycle of brokenness? Tired of feeling like there's no way out, right? Listen, just take it from a guy who's been around every block None of that stuff that you're chasing after is actually going to fulfill you. That boy, right, he's not going to make it better. He's not. That job isn't going to provide the way that you think it will. That move won't change everything because you're still taking you with you. And see, deep down, we all know that, right? 
Like deep, deep down we all know these things, right? Like you've, you've tried it all and none of it has cured the ache of your soul because there's a God-shaped hole in your heart that only God can fill. So what's stopping you from surrendering? Aren't you sick and tired of being sick and tired? See, the beauty of it is that Jesus, he says, like, hey, like, aren't you tired? Like, so come to me. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and, and I will give you rest. He, he says, come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. He says, I'll show you how to, how to take a real rest. He says, walk with me and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Only Jesus can do that, y'all. For the one that needs it, Jesus says, I will give you rest. I will give you a way out of the mess you are in. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He says, God is faithful. Ugh. Praise God. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. Everybody say there's a way out. Oh. But notice the end, of the end of the line here. There's a way out so you can endure it. Not escape it. Listen, some, some, some of y'all know this scripture and, and some of y'all, I need to have a little heart-to-heart -heart dad talk. Lex, y'all need to quit with this. Like posting online, saying things when people are hurting and going through stuff and you say things that God won't give you more than you can handle. That's bull. It's not true and it doesn't help. Like, can I thank you, right? The amens from the people who have been through some stuff. The amens from the people who have lived a certain life. That, that, man, that, yeah, I've gone through actually things that I couldn't handle. And I love God. I, I'm sold out to him. And I'm going through some things that are just terrifying. I'm going through some things that are crushing me. Right? So you, some of y'all know this experience. You know that it, you've lived what it feels like that at any moment it's all just going to break. Right? Well, God won't give you any more than you can handle. No, God is faithful. He says that when you are tested and tempted, not if, but when, that he's not, and he's not going to shield you from the testing and temptation. He's not going to put you in a little bubble so that you don't feel the pains of this world so that little Johnny doesn't scrape his knee, right? He's not going to bubble wrap you and protect you from all the evils of the world. Like, parents, can I just, like, I told you, you could send me away for two weeks, see what happens. Like, parents, like, like, help me understand this. If God, who is our heavenly father, allows us to go through storms and doesn't shield us from the storms of life, then why don't we do that for our own kids? Like, 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 I'm... <laughs> Like parents, like, like too many like are just determined to pamper and protect their little babies from experiencing the pains of the world. It's not preparing them for the reality. It's not helping them. It's only crippling them from creating an entitled and insecure and anxious generation that is ill-equipped to handle the world. Let them feel the pain. And all the parents, you better pay me for that. You better pay me. Let them feel the pain. Let them go through the storms. Trust that when the testing and the trials happen, what does scripture say? That our Father in heaven will provide a way out so they can endure it. So they can endure it, not escape it, endure it, learn from it, grow from it, be forged by it. God's word says that problems and testing and trials produce character. And character produces perseverance and perseverance produces hope. And hope does not disappoint. You don't get that kind of hope from bubble wrap. Stop bubble wrapping your kids. Stop bubble wrapping your marriage. Stop bubble wrapping yourself. It's okay that you're going through hell right now. God is with you and he won't abandon you. 
He is with you. He is forging you in this fire. He's with you. For the one who is going through it right now, he is with you. For the one that needs a way out, that needs a rest, I am telling you today, surrender your life to Jesus right now. And I mean right now. Like really, if this is you and you've actually never really, and you know what I'm talking about, only you know. You've actually never really surrendered your life to Jesus. We're going to pray right now to do that. And no, this is not the end of the message, so don't get your hopes up. <laughs> Let us all pray. Father in heaven, I come before you as one of your messengers. And right now I just speak peace over your people. Father, right now I am praying for the individuals who have not surrendered their life to you. And so right now, Father, I am stepping in on their behalf. And if this is you, just pray this prayer with me. Father, I am a sinner in need of your saving grace. I repent, I turn from my old life. And I am surrendering my life to you. I'm choosing you as my Lord, as my Savior. I give you my life, all of it. And in the precious and mighty name of Jesus, all God's people said, Amen. If you prayed that prayer, yeah, you can praise God because I'm telling you right now, there's more than one person that just prayed that prayer. So praise God. If you prayed that prayer, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and all that stuff. Hey, uh, come up front after service when, when everybody's moving around. Come up front and, we, and talk to me or talk to one of the pastors or leaders. We want to connect with you. We want to say praise God with you. We want you to know that you're not alone in this journey. For the rest of the other misfits in the room. Now you're up. For those that have, man, you surrendered to Jesus and you're like, okay, what's next, John? What, 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 great, you're the one. Like Peter in our text, you're the one that is being called to embrace obedience. We don't like that word. That word is for dogs. Don't tell me to obey. I'm the master of my own universe. Yeah. Think again, right? Think again, right? See, old timers, they know. They've been around the block. They know. Okay? Let's call it what it is, Claude. I'm telling you, once you get over 60, I call you old timer. What's up, young fella? They've, they've seen a few things. They know a few things because they've seen a few things. Right? Obedience. Will you do what God asks of you even when you don't fully understand it? Is he your God? Have you surrendered to him as Lord? Is he your master? See, in obedience, Peter says, I'm the one. At great risk. <laughs> even though he didn't fully understand what God was up to. He may have not even agreed if you read in that text in the story, both in 10 and 11. <laughs> but he was obedient. And because of his obedience, the gospel now spread across the world. Like, like, think about that. Because of his obedience to do what he didn't understand, millions and millions of people now know Jesus Christ. Like, praise God, right? Yes, Nancy. Peter was a witness then in his backyard and in his cities around him and to the ends of the earth. He was obedient and it changed the world. What will God do through you? Really? Remember, Peter wasn't like, oh my gosh, it's Peter. No, he's just a guy. Just like you. 
Seriously, I dream and pray about what God is going to do through you. I can't wait. I'm like, I'm just like, God, I know you're doing something. I can't wait to see it. Right? Like, like the power to change the world is literally at your fingertips. How do I know this? Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. See, for those who have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ, like, you have the ability and power to change the world. But do you have the obedience to actually do it? Like, to ask the Holy Spirit, like, show me where to go. To tell me what to do. Show me who to talk to. Like, like, and then do it. Like, like in the book of Ephesians, right, uh, chapter 1, God's word says, that I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that, that raised Christ from the dead. We have resurrection power running through our veins. Do you realize this? Like my word, right? Are we using it to witness are we using it to extend the kingdom, to bring hope where there is despair in our backyards and around the world? Like, like think through this. Like, we, like if you need, like, a, an encouragement, like, you're not alone in this. We are a part of an ancestry that has been empowered by the same spirit using that same power for generations. The same spirit that gave power to Ruth and Esther and Moses and Abraham and Joshua and Joseph and Caleb and, and Rahab is available to us. The same spirit that empowered Mary and Peter, James and John and Lydia and Priscilla and Paul to change their world is the same spirit that is available to us to change ours. We're connected to this great history, this crowd of witnesses connected to the same spirit and power as part of a family tree and ancestry that boldly proclaims the power and witness of Jesus Christ. So what is stopping us from changing the world? Ourselves. Like, it's time to just take a, a hard look ourselves. There was this incredibly talented philosopher in the 80s. He said this, he said, if you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. Who? Na na na, na na na, na 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 na. Oh, oh, oh. Listen, I don't subscribe to all of MJ's life choices. Let's be really clear about this. Okay. But that statement is dead on. The only thing stopping you from changing the world around you and the world at large is you. If you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're probably right. Jesus has given you power, he's given you authority, he's given you opportunity to change the world. Do you have the obedience and the determination to do it? Because this is what we are asking of you. A lot of you were saying like, hey, you asked us, to like, are we in? Like, what are, you, what are we in for? This, to change the world. <laughs> hey, Andrea. Are we going to, like, go after eliminating sex trafficking throughout this entire region? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Why? Because we believe we can. Because we have the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we are part of a great crowd of witnesses. We believe we can, so let's go do it. What, what am I signing up for? I'm going to stay in my lane. We're going to change the world, period. I believe that. In this tri-state area and beyond, we are. Or I'll die trying. Period. And we're going to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit with obedience and determination. That's what it requires. This past week, I told you Kelly and I got away. 
And like we, we, we went out west uh, to recharge our batteries, <laughs> right, for a couple days to, to just, man, like uh, to be refreshed. And we went uh, to this conference for pastors, you know, and, and the conference was in Las Vegas. <laughs> I, I mean, can we just like for a minute, like who thought of this? Like, it was called the Mega Church Conference. And I'm trying to be so good right now because I love my brothers that lead mega churches and all that stuff. Like, but, like, really? You chose to put a bunch of pastors and their wives that are, like, depleted going through the two hardest seasons of ministry ever in, in America, you know, that, that, that in our history, in our lives that we know of, like, as pastors, like, with no playbook. You, you chose to, like, like, yeah, let's go to Vegas. Like who, who, who thought that was a good like this, this? Nothing bad will ever come of this. I don't, I'm not here to spill tea or dirt. Like it's, it, I'm just saying, like that's not refreshing to me. All right. As soon as I saw that, I was like, I'm not going. And then David was like, Yeah, you are. I was like, Okay, I'm going. <laughs> I'll go one time. That's it. <laughs> That's how I don't like Vegas. Uh, listen, Vegas is like just consumed by neon lights that are just welcoming you and, and enticing you to disappointment and discouragement and bad decisions. Like it's just, it's like a, 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 like, like a, a moth to a flame, you know. Uh, so we knew that. We're, we're smart people, Kelly and I. So we're like, okay, if we actually want this to be like restoration for a weary soul, you know, if the weary pastor heart need, then he needs to go to a bucket and take his bucket to an actual well that's going to fill him up. So we went to Zion, which is a weird, cool biblical thing, right? We went from Zion, center of Jerusalem, to hell. Um, <laughs> so, so Zion's beautiful, man. It's heaven on earth. It's it's gorgeous. We we hiked uh, 16 miles, you know, just up these cliffs and plateaus. And and the next day, like I know this is exhausting for you, but I'm training. I'll tell you what I'm training for. Uh, but like the next day, like we ran five miles uh, along the Virgin River cutting through Utah there. We were looking for Jack and Mel at Jack's Bar. Very disappointing we didn't find them. That's a Virgin River Netflix reference for anybody that watches that. You're welcome. Like Zion was just beautiful. Just, it was everything we hoped it would be. Uh, one of the trails we hiked was called Angel's Landing. Um, and it's this awesome experience. Uh, it's a trail with an elevation gain of 1,500 feet. Um, that's it right there. That's that's the top. And and uh, it ended up being, like, really difficult. Uh, like, that, we were not prepared uh, with all the snow and ice that we weren't expecting. Like, like we weren't prepared for that. Thankfully, we, we were talking to the locals there. And they were like, hey, you're, if you're going to do angels, you need to get some micro spikes, right? You know, it's like spikes that you put on your boots, you know. And, and I was like, man, I, we've climbed mountains five times higher than this. We don't need no stinking micro spikes. Say, we didn't listen to me. We listened to the local, and thank God we did because we would have been sunk without them because of so much snow and ice. And so uh, we were, try, you know, hiking through, and it, it got tough, like just straight up. It got tough for a bit, and uh, we kept having this, like, are we at the top yet? Are we there yet? Because <laughs> like, we still have to go back, you know. That's the, I wish there was an elevator after you get to the top of these things, right? But, you know, you got to go back. Uh, like, this one point, Kelly turned to me and, and said, like, like is, 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 is this the way forward? Like, she's literally asking me, like, I, I'm in my phone out, right? Like, so tourist, right? And Kelly's in, right here. She's like, is this the way forward? And I snapped this. And I'm like, yep, to get to the summit, we had to go up that snow. You, you can kind of just see where, you can't really see it because it's ridiculous. Why would you do this, right? <laughs> you had to go up uh, this little crest, right? And that, that was deceiving. It's like probably three to four feet wide. And on either side is a very consequential drop off. Elders, close your ears. And so um, <laughs> we were like, okay, yep, this is the way. <laughs> That's the way forward. To get to the top, it was tough. To get to the summit, it was tough. It, but the summit was absolutely stunning. To get to the thing that you are trying to go after, it's going to require some, some work, some direction, some obedience, some determination. Because then you get to see things like this, right? Things that are just 
mind-blowing of what God can do. To experience the things that only God can do, it's going to require obedience and determination. Even when there's times that we think there's no way. It took trust. Knowing that even though it was hard, even though we would be tested, that we knew God was with us and he was going to lead us and he was going to make sure we would endure. And so to all of you who are part of the Whitewater community that you have chosen to be on mission here, like this is the way forward, obedience and determination. Trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit to make a way to help us endure. Over 700 individuals like said like, hey, I'm all in. I'm on mission. Let's go. Let's whatever we got to do. I'm in. So praise God for you. Yes, Nancy. <laughs> Clap like heaven can hear you. Praise God. This is the way. Acts 1-8 is the mission. To step out in faith and obedience like Peter to say, I'm the one to go change the world. And if you're a part of the Whitewater community and you haven't yet sent in your RSVP, what is stopping you? Like really, like this is not the time for indecision or complacency or lukewarm. Lukewarm won't get us to the summit. <laughs> right? Worried about prefer preferences won't get us there. If you're in, let us know. If you're not, let us know. We're on a mission from God to change the world. It's a Blues Brothers reference, right? Empowered by the Holy Spirit, are you in? It's the last time I'm going to ask you, I promise, because I'm moving on. I'm moving forward. So for those of you who said, I'm in, I can't wait to see what God is going to do in and through you. Together we're going to change the world. This is the way. We are followers of the way. This is the way forward. In a couple months, I said I was training for something. Why would I go train and, 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 you know, hike 16 miles and then run five miles? Like, who does that, crazy man? It's not because I like it. I'm training because in a couple months, I'm going to be on the other side of the world in Nepal. Why, might you ask? Because of that. Because me and nine other pastors from across the country are teaming up to climb to the base camp of Mount Everest. Before you clap, you're like, I don't know if I should clap or seriously question their decision-making skills. We're doing this to raise money to plant hundreds of churches across the world. See, what you might know about, not know about Kelly and I is that over the last decade, Kelly and I have had the privilege to help start new churches all across North and South America. This is just a part of, of what we've bought into and said we're doing this. And now we, we get to do this together. Together in a, in a couple months and in the months and years to come, we're going to start planning churches and starting biblical communities in the tri-state area and around the world. This is the way. And I'm inviting all of you into this kingdom mission. And this will only happen by the power of the Holy Spirit working through all of us with obedience and determination. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to waste the, the little bit of time that I have left in this life. Like I don't want to go through life just checked out, just working for the weekend. Can't wait to pop a cold one. Like really? That's as good as it gets? I want to be a part of something bigger. I am a part of something bigger. We are a part of something bigger. You know that, right? Like that's why we come together in corporate worship to remind ourselves that we are a part of something bigger and something beautiful and powerful is happening here. Do, have you seen it? Like I know my brother Alan was up here last week and he was talking about some of the differences racially of where he's from and what he looks like and where he, we are now. But I'm telling you, in the two years that I've been here, things are changing, and it's beautiful. Like, I've looked around both services over two years, and I'm starting to see people of all different races and backgrounds, and it's beautiful, and it's crazy that it is happening in this community right up the street where flags of division and hatred fly every single day. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, open your eyes and look around as you drive on 128. 
and it's happening right here. How could that be happening in a little community like that? Jesus. Only Jesus. How will it continue to happen in the tri-state area and around the world? Jesus. I love that it's happening in Cleves, Ohio, because it's the only thing we're going to be able to say. How did that happen in Cleves, Ohio? Jesus. Yeah, right? See, some of y'all know. And if you know, you know. Jesus. Friends, we are not fans of Jesus. We are followers of Jesus. We're not called to be fans of a once a week, 75 minute spiritual experience on a Sunday. You heard the number that I said, that wasn't a oops. We are called to be followers of a crucified king who rose from the dead and said, pick up your cross and follow me. We're gonna go change the world. That's our mission. So what do we do right now? Right, right now. Okay, cool. Right now, uh, you've been invited into mission and community. It is time for you to now invite. All right? Like, invite every single person under the sun to come be a part of this crazy ragtag group of people. And I mean it. You would invite them to a Kenny Chesney concert. I'm showing my age. You know that's right. You would invite them to a Brooks concert. You would invite them to the Chicks coming to Cincinnati. You'd invite them to go see that. Are you inviting them to come be a part of the greatest mission the world has ever known? Invite every single person you know to get here and be a part of this community so we can train them up and send them out to change the world. That's what you can do right now. I'm going to keep climbing and training so I can come back in one piece. And we're going to start planning new churches all around the world. In the meantime, like, let's address how do we continue to take care of the ends of the earth, right? Great. Here's something real simple that all of us can do right now. Think about where you eat. Think about where you shop. Think about where you invest your time, talents, and treasures. Make an informed decision to raise your hand and say, I'm the one that will invest my money in fair trade businesses to eat at local restaurants, Cancun is one of them, that has Christian leadership that you know are supporting families and children from other countries. Choose to invest in our missionaries that are being sent out right now that we have throughout the world. Invest into them, support them, send them time, send them money, send them love and prayers. Go on mission trips that are gonna be starting up this year and next. Choose to adopt or sponsor a child from other countries who are desperate for love and support. Choose to make a difference outside of yourself. Will you step up like Peter? Will you step up with obedience and determination? Will you step up and out to say, I am the one? Father, I come before you right now and I just give praise to you. I say thank you, Jesus, for all you have done through that crazy guy named Peter who allowed us to gather here today because of his willingness to be obedient with determination to take the gospel to all people. Thank you, Jesus, for how you used him. Thank you for how you're using all of us. Empower us to be the world changers that you created us to be. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.